0: Hi there, I'm Susan Bradley, and you are on the Roadmap to 50K. I'm building a brand new store on Shopify, and I'm bringing you behind the scenes with me. I'm taking you along for the ride, and this is episode five. Welcome to the Roadmap to 50K on Shopify. Each week, we'll take you behind the scenes of real stores, where you're going to learn actionable strategies and tips that will fast track the growth and profitability of your e-commerce business. So buckle up, welcome your host and Shopify expert, Susan Bradley. So hey, Camilla, we are recording a podcast, who thought we would be here? I of- know, I'm so excited. I know. So listen, guys, I want to introduce you to my uh, longtime client and really my friend, Camila Prada, who is just this amazing artist. And we talk about this all the time because you identify as a ceramics artist.
1: Yeah, um, identify as a ceramic designer and artist. Yes, but I've been doing design a lot more than art. It just so happens for the past so 10 happens. Years. And I keep saying to you, Camila, I just see you as an artist. You're an
0: artist. And so why this little, uh, little back and forth we have is important is that Camila recently made a huge, like a massive pivot in her business that uh, is so exciting and so interesting for any of you that uh, might identify as a particular kind of artist or an artist or a creative. This is for you. So what I want to do, Camila, is I just want to jump in and have uh, you tell everybody a little bit about your journey, like how you started off, what, uh, I mean, really, you, you have a bit of a claim to fame, what your business mm-hmm. has been for the last uh, many years, and uh, then we'll talk about the reasons why you pivoted and what's happened since, and so I'm just going to hand it over to you. Tell everybody about, the name of your business
1: is Camila Prada. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the business carries my name. And I have been um, in business since uh, 2011 is when I started my Facebook page. And um, like most entrepreneurs, it was kind of like a zigzag. But I knew that I wanted to do something in the ceramic realm. At first, I thought I was going to make art in my own studio. But then I ended up taking a master's in ceramic design of all things. And I thought I could work for a company for a few years before starting my own, my own practice, so to speak. Um, again, because I had been a um, ceramic artist in Toronto, Canada, doing the craft fair route and everything. And then I decided, oh, le- let me try to um, see if I can design for companies. So I found this amazing course and I moved to the UK from Toronto and I started my MA in ceramic design. And after that, some opportunities just fell in my lap, and I started designing my own range for a company called Rosenthal. I don't know if Susan knows about this. I'm gonna to try to not make it too long and boring, but. It's not so- boring. I'm like, okay,
0: this is the part of the story I have not heard. So I've just got my jaw on the desk, keep going.
1: Yeah, so I was almost, uh, so I guess I was working as a, as a designer for royalties. And um, that was just when the 2008 crash happened. So my line that all my classmates on the master's program with me and my teacher and everyone, everybody was so excited for me. My, my line was in magazines. It was selling well. I was in a tiny little royalty, of course. So um, I was like, oh, okay. So 2008 happened. My, my l- line for Rosenthal got cut. And then I thought, you know what? I'm just going to do it for myself now. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start up in business and I'm going to own the manufacturing. I'm going to pay for the manufacturing. And I'm going to have total creative freedom. I'm going to get my line out there. The internet is happening. I can go direct to customer. I don't have to sell wholesale. So I was just really inspired by the, um, I guess, like online coaches that were doing their own thing because people in the ceramics and homeware world were kind of telling me, you know it's going to be really hard for you to sell without selling to stores you really need to sell to stores but because i just knew how much work was going to go into the pieces cuz i wanted them to be made in the uk i just thought oh that's going to make them really expensive i'm not going to be able to to sell wholesale it's not i i just couldn't envision who the customer would be so i actually started making the pieces myself in a small studio and then i actually found manufacturing so Yeah, I just went on from there.
0: You actually created the
1: ceramics yourself first,
0: and then you found a manufacturer in Stoke on Trent.
1: I was forced to. I moved to Stoke, and I kind of didn't have enough money to uh, get like a thousand, or they wouldn't ask for a thousand, but. Uh, yeah, if you're going to manufacture, they need some volume, and then the chilling, all the master molds that you need to get your products made—that's a big investment. And I didn't have that, so I rented a studio and I was making everything myself. And you didn't even know about this, Susan, but everything went wrong there too. <laughs> 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 it was coming out of the calendar. A lot of time
0: laughing about all the things that go wrong.
1: For yeah. Sure. Yeah. So I guess i I, how can I explain it to people? Like i I started off as an artist, as a sculptor. Then I moved into design. Then I moved into being an an entrepreneur and owning the design and the manufacturing. So you set up a website and just started making
0: making pieces. So I know that you were one of the people. Like we have a few people in the inner circle who have uh, run successful Kickstarter campaigns. Yeah, you've had. Like you have experience with a really successful Kickstarter campaign. Did you do that right when you started your business or when, when did that happen?
1: I didn't do it when I started my business at all. So say I started my, I think I started my Facebook page. Uh, that was my only way to promote. I was, you know, uh, like everyone who starts posting on a page where there's tumbleweed and no followers. Yeah. I started that in 2011 <laughs> And in 2015, I did my Kickstarter. So I had been building an audience consistently since then. I was very consistent with, um, that's not true. I mean, there were days or weeks where I wouldn't post, but I had been building my audience and I I was very engaged with my audience for years before I posted, before I created my Kickstarter campaign. And I know that's why my Kickstarter campaign was. was, yeah.
0: So guys, if you haven't, uh, certainly we'll give you all the information to follow Camila at the end of the podcast. But what I will tell you is that she writes copy like nobody writes copy. She's so incredibly engaging. And her posts on social media, you have to love her. There's no way. Oh, stop. No, really, really. I mean, she has uh, probably, I mean, you know, we have so many, uh, so many members, but I would say that you have perhaps the most engaged audience I've ever seen. Oh. Incredible, right? The the relationship. So I believe you. I believe that you had that uh, Kickstarter campaign and all those people just went running.
1: Yeah, it was like, Uh, oh, you've been watching me, you know, making these pots uh, for the past how how many years? And I would comment on every person's comment that I could physically achieve, you know, with the time that I had. And I was making ceramics at the same time. So I actually developed like carpal tunnel because between the, yeah, in in my elbow, but, and that happens to a lot of makers between the, um, keyboard and making your actual product, you can actually injure yourself. So that's when I was like, you know what, let's go back to the original idea and get, get a manufacturer, an actual small factory or pottery, as they say in the UK to make this stuff for me. They're not going to have all the snafus that I'm having. So I thought at the time, and And uh, that would allow me to market and design. So just so everybody's clear. So you
0: have these amazing little shapes that you made. Mm -hmm. And then the art part, like, I mean, that's art in itself. But then you would embellish them. They were always little characters. And so you also made the art that I don't, I don't actually know the technology, but that was, was it printed and then hand applied
1: to to the art? It's basically the way that your ceramics at home are made. If your ceramics at home has any um, colors on it, that, that's not handmade. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're all, um, how do I describe it? I was, um, you're saying art, but you really mean surface pattern. So I was designing and, and making the shape. And then I would get a printer to print the characters and the floral patterns and all the surface pattern that I wanted to go on that shape, I would get it printed, and then it would have to be applied onto the shape. So I would do it initially, but then when I moved over to a small to a to a factory making my making my designs, they did all that, and I had to employ three different fact- factories because the ceramic process is so labor intensive, and there's so many steps, even for industrially produced items. Whether you're making it in your own stu- handmade studio or it's being made in a factory. It's a lot of steps.
0: Yeah. And then, so a lot of opportunities for things to go right off the rails.
1: Yeah. There's a reason why um, there aren't very many people who have decided to own the the manufacturing and have (laughs) others make it at my size. I'm so small. It's a one person company. (laughs) Even so
0: you have had, uh, like what I would say is incredible success. Like your model for doing this is basically so different than uh, pretty much anyone who I see as a, as a maker or an artist or, or any store owner where you actually didn't have product to sell all the time. Your, your business was, uh, like one launch after another launch, after another launch, after another mm-hmm. launch. And so so you would create a line, super good about uh, sharing it with your audience. And then you would launch that line and it would sell out. Like that's what I saw.
1: Yeah, well, that's how I started. I kind of trained myself and my audience to launch in this way because that was just the way that I could create a product and launch it myself. I guess I should explain I'm a real stickler for doing exactly what I want. <laughs> I'm real stickler for <laughs> I second that. Poor <laughs> Susan knows. Um, if I have a vision, like my vision was to sell my own ceramic shapes and instead of uh for example, I can design, I can illustrate it, so I could have done a printed product, but my real love was creating ceramic shapes, my own forms, and then I would get those um, decorated in my own surface patterns. So because that's what I wanted to do, that's just what I launched every month. And of course, at the beginning, I probably, I had a few pieces, like under 50, and then it just grew grew from there. So initially, maybe I would launch every other month, and then it became every month. And there were In recent years, there were months where I had, um, of course, I was using manufacturing by then. Um, Other people were making my stuff. I think there was a month where I sold 400, 600 units, which is a lot.
0: Shocking. It was shocking to me to to watch that happen. And, you know, over the years we've been working together, uh, you know, at the beginning, particularly as your audience was growing and you were, uh, you know, getting a little bit ahead of the launches, like Mm -hmm. getting product in stock. Because most of our conversations about were about, you know, okay, how do we get ahead of this? Yeah. <laughs> Control this beast. Um, but as that happened, what was interesting is the, there was more at stake, I thought. Every time you did this, there was a little bit more to lose. There was a little bit more risk and exposure. And the cost, and the cost yeah, yeah, to invest in the product. And I feel like there came a point where it kind of plateaued. It kind of started to suck the life out of you. How, yeah. like, tell me about that. Tell tell Share that because I think that's really common with people who are artists and makers.
1: Yeah, it's true that they say you can create your own monster. Um, it's what I wanted the most. It's what I wanted since I was in my very early 20s at university in Toronto. I wanted to do my own thing and have my own business. Um, so I was very, I mean, I worked, 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 worked for it. And I was very satisfied to see those products being made when I was making them myself. And then also when I was having a small potteries make, make my products, it was very satisfying to see them on the shelves and then go out the door and end up in people's homes and then the reactions that people would get. And I remember looking at online coaches and hearing about like $30,000 launches and thinking that was impossible. And then I did that. Then you did it. I know. <laughs> oh my God. It's not. Then I was like, at this moment in time, I was like, oh, it's not all it's cracked up to be. <laughs> yeah. Because we'd spend about 10 seconds celebrating it.
0: And then the rest of the time we would talk, it. we would be sweating about yes. um, how you were going to do it again. Like, yeah, how-
1: or how am I going to get this current launch to the customers? Right. And then uh, I still, I will never forget as
0: long as I live the conversation I had with you about uh, one of the key players uh, falling off a ladder or something and breaking his neck.
1: Yeah, he was uh, okay in the end, but he was yeah, yeah, okay yeah. One so of I'm the key like oh, this is so risky this business <laughs> it, it's so risky because if if there's anyone out there who's like dealing with what i call heritage manufacturing like say you want to make luxury sh- luxury leather s- shoes in spain or you want to have luxury beautiful hand painted scarves made by artisans in in italy uh these things are made by people and if someone gets sick who works in the studio or on the factory floor that affects the product's going out if if the company has to close because of whatever reason or or they're on vacation or whatever happens you can't just roll up to another company and ask them to do it it's not a t-shirt it's not notebooks not a poster there's no one else that can do it there's like a few there's a handful of companies in the world and it took me by the way 2 or 3 2 to 3 years to break into the industry meaning they don't take new clients they're all booked up they don't they don't they, they just deal with who they know. They don't even have websites. You have to be like an, un, you have to, you, I had to go to these places, to these potteries, to these factories um, on my own, knock on doors, ask people, do you know someone who knows of a factory that can make my stuff? Uh, because they're not even online.
0: Yeah. They're not even,
1: it's so hard. There,
0: and, and new ones aren't coming up to replace a lot of That's- these people, right?
1: That's the thing. The, the, this generation is getting older, and these skills that they have—they're irreplaceable. They apprentice; they're they're masters of their crafts. So, what happens when they retire? Yeah, and so that's what we were seeing. So,
0: on one hand, you've got this incredible success, and I'm saying, "Hey, Camilla, you're like, I just don't, I just don't know what we should do because, listen, you are the only client I have who keeps selling out. Like, you are the only one I know that has this." problem where you have more customers than items to sell just you my friend and yet and yet you as the artist you're getting the life sucked out of you even though you appear to be uh, wildly successful you're getting the life sucked out of you because instead of creating art you are just juggling all this stuff all the time that that really can't be solved by a simple phone call it's like a series of things that you have to like Exactly. Uh, flaming hoops that you had to jump through all the time, and it was yeah. it was really sucking the life out of you. And and then what was I think even the worst, like the real? <laughs> oh uh, no, it's coming! It's I know it's coming. coming. It's when it's when we really sat down at the end of the year, and and you realized how little profit there was in it. For oh, you. you could never calculate
1: your cost. That was the worst. worst. I agree. Yeah, that was the worst. Uh, so I, I even, I cringe to talk about it because you've heard it, you've heard it so much that I'm just like, oh, I don't want to... Abort- again. <laughs> you know, people on the podcast haven't heard me whine about this. So I'm going gonna- <laughs> to let it rip. I'm going to let it rip. I can write a book about this, but nobody would read it. It'd be so boring. <laughs> um, so basically, again, going back to the heritage manufacturing or maybe ceramics manufacturing or anything that... requires a lot of touch points um, during the manufacturing process. A lot of things can go wrong, and anyone who does ceramics, even if you're doing it in your kiln at home, you know that what you put in the kiln, um, it doesn't come out the same way. So you put in 20 pieces that are good, you get 15. Sometimes you get five, sometimes you get 10. It's basically like baking a cake. That cake is not going to be machined the same, baked the same way every time. So ceramics has that issue, even in big factories, they have a lot of loss. So this is normal. But in my case, it was even more difficult for me because I was, com- I, I was using almost like, I call it component manufacturing where one company would make the whiteware, another company would print the decals, another company would apply those decals onto the shape. So at all these different touch points, there were things that, could, that would go wrong. I wasn't, the, I didn't negotiate terms, for myself that this probably would have helped so I was buying things that had to be repaired or that I couldn't sell at full price and I was so desperate to get somebody to make my stuff that I just was like oh you can make it oh great yeah just you know Why make it I send you <laughs> yeah I, I didn't I didn't I didn't want to create any friction for myself. I didn't want to seem like um, someone that was going to be a problem. Because here's another thing: if you're a designer and you're rolling up to one of these companies, uh, they they're kind of like, ah, oh, designer. Oh. <laughs> they're just like, be oh, a lot of work. <laughs> they have their established clients where they know what they're making every every month, or or their workflow is very established. They mm-hmm. want to make easy things they don't want to be making your difficult weirdly shaped item you know what I mean so so I just you know I I was very accommodating and I didn't really put in good terms so I ended up buying a lot of things that weren't um ended up purchasing product that wasn't all perfect every time so this made it very difficult for me to track actual profits there are a lot of invisible cost as well when you have to compile these components together that I probably wasn't accounting for properly. Yeah.
0: And your time and yeah. your time, like the mental, uh, the mental energy that could have been in marketing your business and growing, growing even more was all sucked into figuring out uh, what you're going to do because someone just told you that they can't do what they said they would do two weeks ago. Like exactly. that kind of thing. Yeah. And so what, uh, you know, I know we had a lot of, uh, we had a lot of conversations about this this pivot that you made, didn't happen overnight Uh, you know we talked about it because every time it got riskier and riskier and it also took a piece out of you I feel like it took a piece out of you every time how can you be so successful but feel like you have cash flow problems and that you're never getting it quite right and all those things you know those voices in your head that tell you you're you're doing it wrong anyway we had those conversations but what do you think was a catalyst that made you just say hey I'm
1: gonna just change this enough of this. What do you think it was? It was right before COVID, um, mm-hmm. took the world by storm. Ugh, what was it? I just, I think I just, it was just too much. I can't, I can't really pinpoint one thing, but I just wanted more peace of mind in my business. I want to run a business that is going to be fun and not so stressful. That's basically the main impetus behind it. And I realized that I lost the joy. This, yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I recognize your tone changed instead of hopeful. Mm-hmm. It was like, I, d- I don't think I can do this anymore.
1: Yeah. Drudgery. But, but I need 10,000 pounds to cover my expenses. <laughs> next week. So, Oh dear. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's what I was doing. I was just, um, selling products to pay other suppliers and, yeah. and not, which I know is not unique many of us in in the manufacturing realm deal with that but yeah. um, or in the product realm like that's kind of the
0: same for a lot of product sellers too right yeah. everyone yeah. thinks in it's great and then you end up giving half or more of what you bring in back to uh, bring in more product and the risk starts all over again
1: you have to be so oh, good at numbers, which yeah. I'm not, not oh, last you
0: are. I think you just had so much going on so we had been talking for a long time about uh about how you could transition this business into a way that made your life like gave you some peace of mind, uh gave you some more comfort that everything wasn't at risk every time you launched mm-hmm. and something that was scalable because it became very clear that this is not scalable. This no. is just not scalable. And so we talked about this a lot and uh and a year ago, you kind of thought about a subscription or a membership, like a VIP membership, but because you're so busy juggling all this stuff all the time, you could never find any space in your life to
1: really yeah. think about it. And I didn't believe in it. I didn't believe it was going to work because how can I build a VIP membership on a product that's so unstable yeah. that I'm not getting what sure. I'm think i going to get it? I was like, oh no, I don't think yeah. I can do it." That's why I held off of that.
0: All you knew was that you had people that would buy pretty much anything you made, but the trouble yeah. was getting it made. And uh, and oh, and on top of that, we didn't tell everybody that your manufacturing was in England, but somewhere along the line in the UK, somewhere along the line, you moved to Spain. <laughs> yeah, so doing it all at a distance and the Facebook thing
1: when your Facebook page, your Facebook uh, ad- that was a real downer. Uh, yeah, um, I've only have. Um, I've got three, thir- three words for you guys. Two step authentication. <laughs> it's not funny. No, it's not funny. No. <laughs> so yeah. Enable two step authentication on your Facebook page because, uh, my Facebook page got, got hacked and, um, Facebook was the main way that I got people into my business. Yep. I did u- utilize email quite well, I think, but, um, I got people onto my list, but, all of my engagement really happened on Facebook. My, my, my email list was just like, here's what I have to sell. Yeah. All the engagement, all of the creativity, all the fun stuff was happening on my Facebook page. And it got hacked.
0: Yeah. And so yeah. you lost your ad account first, but ultimately you lost your page.
1: Well, yeah. My page was always, um, I could always post to my page. It was the ad account that got hacked to be more uh, accurate. And that meant that I couldn't make any ads. And I also was told by uh, people in the know that uh, this meant that my Facebook page was flagged as suspicious permanently, and that could not be undone, and that eventually that page could get just shut down from, you know, overnight. So I thought, look, let me just start a new page. But it took me months to start that new page. I was dreading it. I thought it was going to be horrible. (laughs) Then I did it, and it was great. (laughs) The mental anguish. So
0: that's the power of being, guys, I have to tell you, that is totally the power of being genuine and authentic and engaging with your audience. So all those days where you think, oh, I don't want to post on Facebook. I just don't, I need a, I need a social media break or whatever it is. Let me tell you that even though it feels like it, that there's not an instant reward from uh, doing, like taking the time to, to be active and engaged on social media, it has grown your business and it has saved your business, hasn't it?
1: Oh yeah. Without the audience, where's my business? Yeah. It's all about the audience, yeah. and um, I'm so used to it now that I realize some days I take it for granted, granted, but it's actually gold. It's so- yeah.
0: And it's allowed you to grow a really bang email list. Like it's a good list.. <laughs> it's a good email list. So listen, so tell everybody ultimately what you decided to do. So COVID hit, it was like a point yeah. in time where we all had to kind of sit down and reassess. And so you decided it was time to just launch your last collection, which mm-hmm. is and and take this pivot. So tell everybody what you did, because it's genius.
1: okay the last collection sold out in minutes um that was crazy i announced to my list i was actually scared to do it because some of my collectors they really are collectors there are ladies who every collection that comes out for the past few years they've tried to get one and they post their pictures on instagram or on facebook of shelves full of full of my designs and they have more than i do like they have more than i do (laughs) So it's I'm so impressed when I see that. I'm like, wow. And I was actually scared to tell them. I was like, what are they going to do now? <laughs> what are they going to do if I don't sell ceramics? like um, So I I have it in mind to return to ceramics when I find more secure manufacturing. But I thought my, my genius idea, which actually had, I don't know if it's genius, but my idea that I had um, like years ago was – what if people could decorate their own ceramics and glass at home in my designs? And I had stumbled across this um, special ink that air dries instead of um, needing to be kiln fired. Yep. So it's it's something that, uh, as far as I know, it's it's a business-to-business material. No one's no one is actually putting this in a box for. People to consume at home. So I had to do some research. I had to figure out a lot of things about how to explain to people how to use it. I was actually very doubtful that people would be able to do it because it's um, it takes a little bit of skill. So what I thought was, um, what if I sell people transfers? They're called decals or transfers, uh, so that they can basically find a mug or anything at home that is ceramics or glass and put my designs on it themselves. And I tested the idea after years. I went and had a meeting with the one of the companies that, that makes the inks, like in 2015 or something. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then years later, I just didn't know if it was going to work. And I was so busy with my, with my business. Um, I launched a Christmas, I had my Christmas collection. I launched my ceramic, Christmas collection in November, then in December as an add-on. I was like, hey, did you miss out on the Christmas collection last month? Um, here's an opportunity to make, make your own mugs or little gifts with my designs on them. Um, here's a kit of transfers. And I did a how-to video. I did some lives on Facebook, which I don't do very many. I'm really going to try to get, get into that now. And um, people loved it. And yeah. I was like, oh, they were able to do it. You yeah. know, it looks amazing. You stuck and people go in and gave it a try. Pardon?
0: You stuck your toe in with that first box.
1: Yeah. I just made yeah. the decision. I was like, okay, let me just, let me just, um, uh, with this, like with anything, I guess uh there's like a volume thing as well. So I was worried, would I be able Minimal. to sell enough? You know, would I be able to justify investing in this idea that I don't even, no one knows that I'm, you know, none of my customers are, are used to this. But um, it was it was good. It showed me that you know, like I had, I think I ordered three hundred and hundred and fifty people bought the the little transfer kit. I called it yep. all the time, and it was more expensive than I wanted it to be because, as usual, the cost really added up. My my shipping was a lot, and so I was like, I'm determined to make this pro- a profitable product. So it was like thirty five pounds when I really wanted it to be twenty five, but right. it's still. You know, I still sold half of them very quickly. And then the other half, I kind of kept back. I held back. Um, So that was in December of last year. And then I just, I, I had a lot of ceramic stock that I just kept on selling until it ran out. And then I started my transfer subscription box last month. Yeah. And so how did you talk to your audience about it? I think I just kind of said um, the companies that I am working with are having trouble fulfilling, their getting product in and um, it's really quite a lot. So I'm taking a break. Don't worry. I'll be back, but um, I'm, I'm not going away. I'm just going to be doing something different. You're still going to be able to have a chance to collect my designs, but in a different way. Uh, it's a new chapter. It's a new beginning. I was very positive about it. Um, I felt positive about it. Uh, people were sending me messages saying, I can't believe you must be so gutted. And I was like, No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't, I was, like, I, didn't sound like that. I was just like, oh, thank you so much. You know, like people see me on Facebook and they know that I've been doing this for so long. And I really have a real love and relationship with, with, with ceramics. I've been doing it since I was a kid. It's it's my thing, it's what I love to do. Um, so I think they were feeling that. They were like, Oh my gosh, she's not doing ceramics anymore. But, um, but, but yeah, I, I, I just reached that point in the business where I'm so happy to try something new.
0: So you talked about it on social. Did you email your audience to prepare them?
1: Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. I, I, uh, I named my last ceramic launch, the new beginnings launch. Oh, and wow. I, yeah. I had a bit of, a uh, uh, I can't, I think just usually I don't have a lot of um uh, leeway between um the actual open cart date so maybe it was three weeks or two weeks or something it wasn't that long but uh, and you know i guess people really did hear what i was saying that this is going to be the last launch because it sold in minutes wow
0: so okay so then you talked about the new thing and you uh warmed your audience up to it and then I know we had several conversations because so if we bring this all the way back to uh, you, you see yourself as a ceramics artist, and I see you as an artist because I'm not nearly as educated about all of this as you. And I can remember saying to you, Camila, I think they want your art. I think they want your, what you're calling, surface patterns. I'm not sure that the, uh, the pottery in Stoke and Trent is the thing, but. But you tested it in, at Christmas, and you found that people were willing to buy it. And mm-hmm. so the next thing, and I, I just want everyone listening who's considering a pivot like this to think about this. The next thing that really was on your mind was you were so worried about creating value mm-hmm. in this box that you were doing of uh, transfers that you, your first inclination, which is what most of us think, is to make give them a lot of transfers.
1: Yeah. Remember that conversation? Yeah, yeah. And I totally see it different now. Yeah.
0: I was like, oh, you can't, if you give them that much stuff, they'll be making that forever and they're going to cancel because this is a subscription because they'll have too much stuff. And so when you do something like this, and I know that you've promoted it that way, the value is really in the outcome. The value is in the product that you're teaching them to make. And so if you spend your time showing them how to use that, product. They don't mm-hmm. have to have a lot of uh, transfers. What they want to do is be able to see their way to making what you're showing them. So I know you uh, used your, your transfers to, and showed them on a lot of different products, how people could really uh, consume them and make something beautiful for their home. And so mm-hmm. where did you land with that? How many, uh, how many products could they make in one box?
1: Oh well, with the Christmas box and the one that went out last month, there's an extra sheet in it. So okay. um, there were like 30 motifs, which is a lot. Yep. Um, in the subsequent boxes, there's going to be three sheets. So it depends on what the designs are, but um, it's going to be like a you have to imagine like a pack of like like a pack of stickers. There's going to be like three sheets of stickers in each envelope. It's an envelope now. It's going to be beautifully branded instead of the um, cardboard box that I had, the little thin cardboard box with a sticker on it. So uh, what I'm planning to do is have three projects. I think that we talked about that. And Anna um, Eliza in our group yeah. was also, she inspired me as well, to have a very specific show people exactly what they can make instead of you can do these hundred things. No, here are these three things you can do. Yep. And that's going to just fine hone their minds yep. and hopefully give them a lot of impetus to actually do the project so they yep. can, so they want to keep consuming them every month.
0: So what price did you land on for your boxes? Your you, Pascal <laughs> <laughs> this is the best community, isn't it? Like, you're- yeah, Everybody yeah. knows what you're working on and they all can uh, help you really drill
1: down to what's going to work for you. So Pascal said, Hey, they're too cheap. So what did you land on? Yeah. So I landed on 22, 22 pounds mm-hmm. uh, for subscribers and then 27 pounds for one-time purchases. So I've allowed, and I think I will continue to allow people to buy one-time um, purchases until i um of course as usual you have to balance out how much product you're buying with you know what you're um wanting to sell so yeah so those are the prices and i'm i'm pretty happy with them i think
0: yeah so tell everybody what happened so you had you bought 300 again for your first launch yeah did.
1: well i actually sold them all i and yeah Like Super pretty fast, <laughs> yeah. Half of them just went just like that. I think like um, 150 people decided they wanted to subscribe and re- re- receive a new set of transfers every month. These are my collectors, so people who were already buying my ceramics for years. This is an opportunity for them to keep getting my designs, but not in ceramic form. So they jumped on you know, I didn't, I've never sold a subscription box before. So I didn't know how many people were going to say yes. Yeah. So I'm so excited and happy that 150, 150, people were like, we didn't even know you. I mean, I didn't even announce it was a subscription box until the last minute. I was just like, Hey, I'm selling my transfers. And then the day that the email went out with the, I think, or two days before I opened cart, I told people, look, it's a subscription box if you want sign up, save, um, get them every month, or you can purchase one time. So 100, 150 people who had just heard this even existed signed up, and then I sold the rest uh, via one-time purchases kind of over time, like over a span of a week or two.
0: Yeah, not even not even two weeks, I don't think. I feel like it no. was fast and i knew you were going to get sold out. and so uh, so you you're going to continue doing this until you have 300 subscribers. and then yeah. think about uh, leveling up like ordering 500 or or 1000 that's where i want you to end up. i know that you're going to be able to do that for sure. just amazing. absolutely amazing. and the other thing i was just thinking as you said this is what what you really need to do is put an email funnel in place for those one-time purchasers to subscribe because now that they have the product, and I know you're getting lots of great feedback and people showing you pictures of their results, this is the perfect time to say, hey, you know, once we reach a tipping point, we won't be able to offer them as individuals anymore. So here's your opportunity to subscribe and make sure that you get next month's box.
1: Exactly. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I need to a funnel like that. So let's wrap it up because,
0: uh, you know, I've taken up enough of your time. But here's here's what I love about this. This is the thing for me when I, and we have so many makers in our community, so many artists. And when you make things by yourself, it's almost impossible to scale. And when you have such a, and it's impossible to get paid for your time. Like you're kind of, there's kind of a ceiling that almost everybody hits. That's a maker where I can't, I cannot charge more for this product. It is what it is. And and so so I think that it's really hard to um, it's hard to get the profits in our business that we want when, when we're when you're a maker, and if you go the route that you did, again, it's going to take a lot of your time to uh, coordinate all those things because it's such a specific product. It's a custom product, real, very custom. But what I love is that you have flipped this. And so now, even though it's uh, less, like uh, these are uh, 22 pounds is much less than what you Yeah, bought. these
1: are much less than, than my ceramic pieces were. Yeah. Right.
0: But what I love about this is that, first of all, you know what the cost is going to be because mm-hmm. you've so streamlined the process. But the other thing is that I feel like the profit in this product pays you for your, your art, for your design. Mm -hmm. So much, uh, so much more profit for you in this. And it like you shouldn't as somebody who's been a a designer for as many years as you are, you shouldn't be worried about whether you're making 10 pounds an hour or 20 pounds an hour for your design work, you should, that should be something you can scale and you've created a system to do that.
1: Yeah, I feel for the first time I have a, I'm selling a product that can actually scale and yeah. all the marketing work that I'm doing, all of the work that I'm doing, that's the foundation of the product. Yep. It's going to be the same work, whether it's I'm selling 300 or 1,000 or 2,000.
0: Yeah. And so. so here's the other thing, and I know we've talked about this briefly, what I love, but anyone, again, who is an artist or a maker, I think this elevates anything that you do in the future that you do by hand. And I know you've bought a kiln, and you still want to create and you're going yes. now you have uh, created a business that allows you the time to do that. And so instead of like I know your jars were between 49 pounds and 80 pounds really. 60,
1: yeah. Or yeah, if, if there's there were gold on some and they had they were like 150 pounds.
0: Yeah, so so not bad, but I know now that if you actually create an art piece and it's yeah. a one off that you created, I think you can charge 300 pounds or 500 pounds
1: yeah exactly exactly i wanted to say that earlier when you said mm-hmm. often makers we often undercharge artisans yeah. are notoriously bad at calculating what the real cost of that thing that they made with their own hands is and i think if you're going to go that route make it really expensive become yes. a master yeah become a master or just
0: and make it really mm-hmm. expensive. get over yourself and make it yeah. Really
1: yeah. Expensive. yes that's a hard pill to swallow sometimes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You have to have confidence.
0: And the last thing I would say, the opportunity this has created for you as an artist or a designer, again, is that now you can collaborate. You can, yeah. if you can do this for you. Who else can you do this for?
1: I'm so excited to collaborate with illustrators and um, my Instagram friends that have been watching me for so long. Yeah. I've actually wanted to collaborate with them, but it never happened because of, because right. the manufacturing is so chaotic. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it's going to open up a whole new revenue stream for you that is going to require you to, to invest heavily to make it happen. It's amazing. Thank it's, you.
1: I'm so proud of you.
0: I am I'm so very, proud
1: what of you. We can do
0: without you. you? I'm just the cheerleader really and the idea, girl, but you're and, amazing. But this was this was your thing totally. And so I know that there are gonna be a lot of people that wanna see your page, your Facebook page. So
1: where can they see you on Facebook? My page that has not been hacked is called <laughs> Camila Prada's Cabinet. So if you type in Camila Prada's Cabinet, you will find me.
0: Perfect. And you have a, a pretty active Instagram presence too.
1: Yes, my Instagram is, I really need to post on there more. My Instagram is at Cami Bami, C-A-M-I-B-A-M-I.
0: And your website,
1: lastly. My website, it's my name. So it's just www.camilaprada.com. So listen, go have a look, guys. Follow Camila. She is the best copywriter
0: ever. You will want to get her her emails because they're hilarious and and uh so well done. And uh, you probably want to be a customer, I'd say. And mm-hmm. that's another thing. So you live in Spain, I live in Canada. Mm-hmm. I've been telling you I want product for ages, and now I could just order transfers and uh make my own.
1: That's true. Yeah, that's true, yeah.
0: It's way expensive to ship. And, oh you know, god! And get that international audience for sure. So easy to
1: ship, yeah. Oh,
0: so listen, thank you so much. Thank I you. So nice talking about the future. I, we're going to have a big party when you hit a thousand subscribers. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. Thank you so much. <laughs> See you soon. Hey, listen. If you like what we're working on here at the Roadmap to Fifty K, and it's helping you get clarity on your next steps, I think you really have to check out our Inner Circle. You know, it is just an amazing place to learn how to build your business the right way and you get to do it with a wonderful group of store owners that support each other and will cheer you on. You know, in the Inner Circle, our only purpose is to help our members get results and because of that, we actually have dedicated coaches that are fully trained and available to work one-on-one with you And we offer that to our members at crazy affordable prices because I know that sometimes you just need a little extra help to get past a roadblock so that you can move on and make progress again. So if this sounds good to you, I want you to head on over to thesocialsalesgirls.com forward slash inner